0: Well, if you have a Bible with you this morning, find Matthew chapter 11. We've been in this series called Come and See for the last six weeks, and I hope it's been an encouragement. I hope it's been a challenge to you as well. I hope you've been able to take some of these things that we've been studying and learning together and applying to your daily life. I hope that it has challenged you. But we have, uh, we've covered a lot in the last six weeks, the last five weeks, today is the sixth week. But we have, we've been challenged to respond to this invitation from Jesus because he cares about us the most. In part two, we were given a reminder that we were made to come to him, that that was how we were designed. In part three, we learned that when we do our part to come to him, he will do his part to give us rest. In part four, we learned that, that we need to be an apprentice of Jesus Christ, that his yoke brings freedom, any other yoke brings bondage. Then last week, we saw that when we reflect the heart of Jesus, that we never, we never reflect the heart of Jesus more than when we are gentle and humble. And so this morning, we're going to focus in on verse 30, but I want to read those Those prior verses, again, the key verses of this series, once again, it starts, Jesus says, come to me, that's the invitation, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus is making a very direct statement here in our, in our focus verse today, verse 30. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, this is not a reference to physical burdens that, that we may be experiencing on a daily basis or a weekly or monthly or hourly basis. This was a different kind of burden. This was This was a burden, uh, the the system of burden that the Pharisees had placed on the people regarding the Sabbath specifically. Most scholars believe that, that these dudes, these Pharisees, they added 39 regulations just to the Sabbath alone. As well as hundreds of more rules that God never gave in reference to the other laws that we find in the Old Testament. Their stated goal, according to these scholars, was that was to create these additional rules in order to stay so far away from and prevent any opportunity of possibly breaking one of God's actual commands, which seems like good intentions. I think we could hear that And maybe even be guilty of portraying that from time to time and and those are good intentions but I want you to hear this very carefully. Jesus condemns that kind of thinking and teaching. It was an impossible burden because the Sabbath was a day of rest. They said, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they said that you couldn't even pluck a grain from the head of a plant. That you, you couldn't spark a flame or you couldn't pick a single thing up to carry it because that would be considered working. Did God actually say that? No. And so that's the issue that we see. That's the issues that we often face inside the church world. We see it in so many different areas. Did God actually say that you should do A or B or C or D? And that's why we're going to talk about something this morning that some of you have experienced, some of you have not, some of you have been guilty of of portraying from time to time, and that is the issue of legalism. We're going to put the definition of legalism on the screen. Legalism is this, strict, literal, or excessive conformity to the law or to a religious or moral code. The institutionalized legalism that restricts free choice, excessive adherence to law or formula or dependence on moral law rather than on personal religious faith. My experience with legalism is, is interesting. Some of you have heard portions of my story and, and I wanna make mention that I, I reference my home church often But there was a church that that we went to prior to my home church. And so I might say the church I grew up in, but I'm not referencing my home church in case my youth pastor watches, which he does sometimes. And so I don't want him to be like, wait, that was not us. So, but this was a different church that my parents came to Christ in, were discipled in. And grew in their faith in, and for the first four or five years, it was a beautiful journey. And the pastor uh, just resigned and moved to Minnesota to plant churches. And we hired a new pastor. And, and it, was, it was a very challenging season for our family. Because he ushered in what would be labeled as legalism. And so I've shared some of this story. I won't share the whole story But I was 13 years old, and this pastor had been on our staff at our church for about a year and a half at the time. And he took us to a youth conference in Hammond, Indiana. That's where this church was located. It was a massive, massive church. And so we got there late, and we had to sit in the main aisle down the center, and they were setting out chairs. And there were about 10,000 teenagers at this youth conference. And I can remember I walked in and I sat in like the second or first or second row and uh, the pastor got up and he started preaching and he started just walking through all of these, these things that we're supposed to do. And so about halfway through his message, he points to me in the front row and he says, you, sir, would you come here? And I'm like, sweet, this is awesome. As an introvert, you know, you think that would be a challenge, but I was like, this is cool. I'm gonna stand in front of 10,000 Kids, this is, this is fun. And then he pointed to another young man and he had him come to the stage as well. And so he starts preaching this, this message about all these things that, that we should be doing as Christians, but not necessarily what we should be doing as Christians, but how we should be looking as Christians. Now, let me just back you up to 1996 for a moment. Guess was the it Clothing, Guess jeans. I had on a silk shirt made by Guess. But it wasn't just a silk shirt. It had like blocks. It looked like a Rubik's Cube. And so, but those were awesome, awesome shirts. That was my church shirt. Yeah, but it wasn't churchy enough. And so this gentleman begins to preach and he lays out what a godly young man would look like. And then he steps back from the pulpit, like many of these pastors would do. And he says, boys and girls, this is a picture of the world. And he points to me. And this is a picture of someone who loves the Lord. And I can remember like, I walked off the stage and as a 13 year old, I, I was really, I was really str- struggling with that message because I I remember thinking, man, maybe maybe I am some terrible sinner because of the way I dress or maybe I'm not as godly as I should be because I had jeans on and my shirt was tucked in at least. You know, I mean, I don't don't know, but I, I remember going home and communicating to my parents or going to the hotel room that night and calling my parents and really feeling like God was speaking to me. And it obviously infuriated them and we ended up having a conversation with that pastor and he stood behind the comments that that guy had made. And we ended up leaving and going to a different church and, and uh, the church that, that, that's not bad. And uh, that church, by the way, no longer exists today. It's a storage facility, which I've referenced that before in the past. Now, that was a heavy yoke that was placed upon me. And you don't need me to tell you this, but there is nothing wrong with having personal beliefs and convictions about all types of things. And I'm going to give you the spoiler alert now because the whole point of the sermon is this, is that when it comes to gray areas, don't impose your personal convictions on others and thereby thereby speak on behalf of God when he never gave that rule. We have to be very careful with those things. On behalf of other believers, I would like to simply ask that you specify that something is your personal conviction and not something that came from God. I have those, you have those. I have things that I do and and don't do because I feel convicted or led to do those things. It's between me and it's between God. And I have to be honest about that when I'm having conversations and not pretend to let everyone believe that they have to have the same convictions or decisions. Now, some of you might be new to the faith. Or maybe you didn't grow up in any type of Christian environment and this might be new. And I want you to remember that, that last part of that definition of legalism, that it's dependence on moral law rather than on personal religious faith. So here's a few things that I grew up hearing under a legalistic system before my high school years. Things like uh, women shouldn't wear pants at all. Women had to wear skirts or culottes. If you know, you know. Um, You know what those are. Um, Some other things would be like, men can't have long hair, but it's not just long hair. It can't touch the collar of your shirt because you always had to wear a collared shirt. And it also couldn't touch your ears. Women had to have long hair. You couldn't cut it at all other than to take the split ends off. And if you had short hair, what that really communicated was, you're just simply trying to be a man. Uh, Also, we were taught that you can't get tattoos. I was taught that a Christian could um, absolutely never drink any kind of alcoholic beverage or you'd be in rebellion against God. I know that might be a tough one for some. Maybe you've overcome alcohol addiction, or maybe you've had an alcoholic in your family for whatever reason, and you just feel it's best to stay away from alcohol, and and that's honest, and you should follow the Holy Spirit's lead when it comes to that, but we must be clear that the Bible only condemns drunkenness as sin, and so that's a clear issue that I grew up being confused about, Uh, and many of you could add to the list. Some believe that there's only one English translation of the Bible and that all others are perversions. I, I know people personally who believe this. Uh, I recently saw a video actually of one of these pastors in these churches saying that when the King James was developed, that God actually chucked the Greek and gave the world the authorized King James as the only Bible. I'm not lying about that. There's a video. I'll send it to you so you can watch it. It's crazy and borderline heresy to make statements like that. Now, the King James can absolutely be your preferred version, but there isn't only one English translation that God has approved or else we'd have to stick with the 1611, which has been updated hundreds of times and none of us actually hold that copy in our hands either. And of course, all secular music is off limits, all of it. Christian rock music is of the devil. You can only imagine what that previous church, what, their, what that sermon was like when they found out that I started a Christian rock band. It's true, Brittany, we were married at the time and, and uh, it's true, there was a whole sermon on me being in a rock band. As if God actually cares what musical genre you prefer. Uh, but you couldn't possibly wear jeans to church. Men must wear suit and ties, but only white shirts with no designs on the tie. Men couldn't have facial hair. Jesus was in trouble, as we know. (laughs) But I was told, and maybe you were too, that those things are worldly. What is the definition of worldly, and who gets to define that? How can you explain to me that my jeans are worldly, but your Cadillac is not? Who gets to decide That you must attend church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and go to Saturday morning door-to-door visitation. And if you missed one of those things, you were backslidden. Listen, Jesus wouldn't even be welcome in most of those churches. And the message that was sent loud and clear was this, that you're right with God when you do those things, but only according to their personal standards. I want you to please hear me. Please hear what I'm saying and what I'm not saying today. I don't have a problem if, he, if people feel led to dress a certain way. Even for church. That's your conviction. I don't care if you do or don't get tattoos. And neither does God. And I think attending church is, faithfully is important. But the purpose behind why we gather together is the most important thing. That when we love the Lord, we're going to want to gather with his people and worship his name corporately. How we dress does matter to God. But he tells us that it's based on modesty and not just keeping up with man-made standards. Whether conservative or trendy. We must stay away from sin and God's guardrails are there for a reason. And you'll never hear me say that you'll never hear me preaching a, here's a license to just do whatever you wanna do because there is a difference between sin and legalism. So what were God's laws? I mean, as we, as we talk about this issue here from Matthew chapter 11 and Jesus talking about a, a heavy burden and a light burden and, and a yoke that is easy, what were God's laws? And this is some interesting study that I would encourage you to consider maybe on your own time as you look into some of the Old Testament laws that we see. Uh, it's, it's one of the most used arguments though when it's for those who are against our faith, by the way, Uh, And it's always filled with multiple fallacies. And so here, here's what it is. God gave Israel ceremonial, moral, and civil laws. And there were three separate categories with three separate purposes. With the moral law being the one that's still in place for believers today. And this is laid out in Exodus chapter 20. You could read that in your own time. But these commandments were a good thing for God's people. Because the Holy Spirit didn't permanently indwell believers at this time and the laws were meant to protect, guide, and help God's people make decisions. To keep people from from hurt and devastation, to honor God and to point people to Christ and, and show us our need for a Savior, but it got messed up by people of power. We have to remember that Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So these Pharisees They place these heavy burdens on the people and and Jesus actually talks about it in in Matthew 23. He says that these, these Pharisees, they tie heavy burdens hard to bear on the people's shoulders. There's a story in Matthew 22 where A lawyer who was also a a Pharisee asked Jesus about this very issue and this, this man had an agenda because the Pharisees knew the gospel message was a problem. They knew what Jesus stood for was an issue for what they were peddling so they ask a question, which law is the most important? And as many of you know, Jesus responds in Matthew 22 by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. Jesus despised legalism. It'll be on the screen, but in John chapter 11, there's a lengthy section. I'm going to read it to you, but here's what Jesus says. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went in and reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not wash first before dinner. And the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish But inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give his alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God." These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best scene, the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. One of the lawyers answered Jesus, teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. And he said, woe to you, lawyers, also for you load people with burdens hard to bear and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. Woe to you lawyers for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves and you have hindered those who were entering. And as he went away from there, the scribes and Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something that he might say. To boil it all down, Jesus makes it clear that any extra law keeping is what he calls a heavy burden. You see, keeping the law perfectly is impossible. Or Jesus wouldn't have needed to come to this earth and give give himself as a sacrifice for our sin. But even when we do keep the law, because, but even when we, it's, it's kind of a challenge. I, I don't even know if you could say that we actually keep the law because we fall short. Isaiah reminds us that even our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. In Romans 3.20, Paul makes it clear that for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight since through the law comes the knowledge of sin only. So Jesus, God says a lot about this. But here's the good news. Jesus makes a promise to us, something that we can all count on today. That anyone who comes to him and him alone will find rest from this burden, this heavy burden of legalism and rule keeping. Jesus says, take my yoke and learn from me. And when you do that, you will find rest. This yoke of Jesus is easy, and it's light. There are commands that God has given us, but the yoke is not hard to carry. As we have referenced several times throughout the course of this series from 1 John chapter five, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Now, maybe this morning you could, maybe you're a little bit confused. And I wanna be clear that the same God who spoke the law of Moses into the Israelites is the same God who wrote the commands for believers in the New Testament. You could even argue though, from our human position, that the commands from Jesus are even more burdensome than the Old Testament law itself. Under the law, it was about the very act itself, but Jesus wanted something different. Jesus wants our hearts. He tells us that, that when someone wants to go, wants us to go a mile with them, that we should go the second mile. That when someone asks for our shirt, that we should give them our jacket as well. I mean, I mean, those are commands to follow, but it's all about the heart. So what can we do? Well, we can watch out for those who preach that unnecessary rules are required to be godly, Jesus says in Matthew 15 that these people, these Pharisees and these teachers and these lawyers, they teach as doctrines the commandments of men. Now, as we mentioned earlier, this is still alive and well in the global church. You see it in, in some church worlds. There are people who still want to impose things on God's people that that God never actually said or put on us. We have to watch out for legalism because it can seem like a good idea. It can seem like a good thing, but in the end it damages you and it damages the testimony of Jesus Christ. The legalist says, you should love my rules. You should keep my rules, although they're filtered through this is what God wants. But it's really the ones I've decided you should follow. And here's something important to remember when you hear that kind of message communicated. That following the rules doesn't equal a heart that wants to. Jesus cares about the heart. So what should we do? Well, I believe the challenge from Jesus in Matthew 22 is the best place to start. That we should love him with all of our hearts and all of our mind. Let your commitment to knowing him and his word influence what you do and how you live your life. Love him, don't just say it with your lips, but love him with everything that you have. So the question is, do you love him? And do you love him with all of your heart today? Those are great questions to consider because you might be guilty of of Romans 3.20. You might be guilty of that. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. But 1 Samuel 16 makes it clear that God looks on the inside and man looks on the outside. Your heart does matter. The condition of it does matter. Proverbs 4 reminds us that everything flows from it So protect it, the heart matters. Now, I know for certain that there are some people in this room who have been hurt by legalism. And I've shared my story with several in the room and and some of them, some of you have actually replied with how in the world are you still in the church today? How do you love Jesus today? By God's grace, one, and by some wonderful people who decided that the heart was more important than what I wore. And I'm thankful for those voices. But maybe you've been hurt by legalism today. Maybe you have hurt someone with legalism. And don't get me wrong. There are rules that I follow. There are rules in my home that our kids don't agree with. I have four kids, you can imagine that, you know, one doesn't like one and one likes the other. I mean, it's just, it's crazy, but it's how it rolls. And they may choose someday when they're parents to parent their, their children differently, just like Brittany and I parent differently than our parents did. But we really do try to communicate the heart behind the rules that we have in our home. It's not necessarily just about the thing, that we don't or do want them to do. It's what the thing shows about the heart that we want to focus on. Parents, I absolutely believe that we should have rules. I would even go so far to say that we should even be strict in the ways we feel the Holy Spirit is leading us. But don't forget the why behind the rule in the first place. It's about the heart. Pointing it to Jesus, protecting it, and guarding it from the enemy. Don't forget to tell your kids that. God told us why, so why don't we do the same? And students, children in the room, if you disagree with your parents' rules, you'll have the choice to decide for yourself someday when you're a parent if you want to do it differently. But as long as you have parents, they are your authority. And if you love the Lord, you'll be in obedience to those rules, even when you don't agree. So try to find the good in the rule, if that's possible at all. So love him with all of your heart, but love him with your mind as well. Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2 says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God and set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Seek and set your mind on eternal things. See, the law that God gave points to him, the law man made points to us. We have to remember that our doing flows from our thinking. So are we living in such a way that shows that we are thinking about the things that honor God and his calling on each and every one of us? We need to seek and learn what it means to To pursue holiness and to live in a set-apart way. Verse 2 of Colossians 3 says that we are to set our mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. How we think matters. Philippians 4, many of you know this. Paul says, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, or you could use the word right or righteous there, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence If there is anything worthy of praise, think on those things. So how is your thinking? Is it true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and commendable today? If we need to be told to set our mind on things above, that means that it's possible to have our mind set and fixated on things below. So we can do both on earthly things, even sinful things, and we are told that, that we are to set our mind, which means we are able to direct our thoughts on better things, or we wouldn't be told that we should. You see, God isn't going to tell us where to set our minds if we're not able to do so. So praise God. I'm so thankful that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us to help us do this. We have to train our hearts And we have to train our minds. And that's what it all boils down to. The law that God gave points to him. And the law that man made points back to us. Galatians 3 verse 24 says that so much better. Paul says, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came. In order that we might be justified by faith. Church, I I, I wanna challenge you to watch out for those who preach that unnecessary rules are required to be godly. We will not be a church that promotes legalism or plain old man-made rule following just for the sake of rule following. Yet, we will never compromise When it comes to following and preaching the actual commands that God did give us. We will call out and we will name actual biblical sin. Sin that God clearly defines. We won't highlight one sin over another. Although our culture does force us from time to time to define our stance on something more than others. And unless you're living under a rock, you know what I'm talking about. There are certain things that are just attacked all the time. And we have to have a stance on those things. And that's okay. But we're not going to teach that that stance or that sin is bigger than any other sin. We're going to teach that we must flee sinful behavior above all that we don't have a license to just do whatever we want. I heard that a lot. Man, I'm thankful for God's grace because I can just do whatever I want and he'll forgive me. It's true. He will forgive you. But that doesn't mean that we have a license to just do whatever we want. God does have a plan for each and every one of us to follow. It's to seek him and to set our mind on him and his things. When you leave today, here's my prayer. My prayer is that you as a believer will be challenged to be a person who loves and pursues the heart of Christ in every area of your life. That you will love Jesus with all of your heart and your mind. And that you will remember that the law of God points us back to Him. But the law of man points us back to man. So who are you following? Who are you seeking? And who do you love with all of your heart? Jesus would say that matters a lot. And if Jesus thinks it matters, then I think we think it should matter. <laughs> so, will you set your mind? You watch out for those who peddle a different gospel at the end of the day. And will you pursue Jesus with all of your heart, soul, and mind? Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The law is a reminder that you can never achieve redemption and restoration from your sin by keeping all the rules but that Jesus came to this earth and he actually did keep all the rules. He actually did live a sinless life so that you could be restored and rescued. He paid the price for your sin and he gave his life so that you could be free. So maybe here this morning and you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you this morning to give your heart to Jesus because he is worth it. Because he will do a change in you. He will make a change in you and your life and your world and your family. And he will give you a purpose. And he will give you a reason for living today. So will you give your heart to Jesus? Jesus. At the end of our service, we're gonna have a time where one of our deacons and and their wife will be over here to my left, your right, and they would love to have that conversation and maybe answer any questions that you may have about Jesus and his gospel and heaven and hell and sin and the penalty for it and all the questions that can come out out of those thoughts. They would love to help you know how you can be saved and know Jesus as your savior. Or you can find me or you can call the office this week, One of our pastors would love to have that conversation with you. The challenge for the Christian today, just love him with all your heart and all your mind. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we are thankful this morning for Jesus Christ and we're thankful for the example that he set for us. So God, I pray that we would be a people, that we would be a church body, a church family that loves you with all of our hearts and all of our mind. That we would seek you and that we would set our mind on the things that you have called us to set our minds on that we'd pursue holiness that we'd be set apart from this world but we would be set apart from this world because we love you and we want to be close to you because you saved us and you've indwelled us with your spirit and you are living in us so god i pray that we would want to please you and you above all else, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.